Why, hello, and welcome, everyone, to the Riverfront Red Show. This is episode number 518 of the world's most dangerous podcast, where we discuss the Cincinnati Reds and, on occasion, Pete Shurek. I'm your host, Nate Dotson, and with me this week is the podfather himself, Bill Ag. Bill, how are you, my man? I'm great, man. Special guest star this week. I'm sitting in for a few minutes for your brother till he shows up. Well, hopefully he'll stick around a little bit after that. But uh, yeah, Chad's going to join us here in a little bit. He got caught up at work, so uh, we're getting started without him. And we have a little bit of news to talk about. But before we jump into that, Bill, let's uh, yeah, please, if you're listening to this and you feel like it, if you want to go over to YouTube, give us a little subscribe. We are closing in on a thousand subscribers on that channel, which is nuts. So we appreciate every single one of you. Well, most of you. Um, also, we could not do this without our family at patreon.com slash riverfront cincy that quite literally make this possible. So shout out to all those guys, shouts to everybody. We get you very, very much. All right, but let's get into it. Um, I got a little notes document sent here for us, but I'm gonna jump around a little bit. Did you okay. see that Caesars uh the sports book opened and Initially, they had the Reds over-under win total for 2024 at 82.5. People must have been hammering that over because they've already bumped that up to 84 in a matter of a a couple days. Yeah, so um, what do you think? It does seem low. It it does seem low on a team, you know, that's young, and and you assume that overall they're going to improve. I mean, everybody isn't going to improve. But you have to believe that they're going to improve on last year's win, win totals, you know. The division hasn't improved that much. The Reds are the youngest. I would assume they're the youngest team in the division. Uh, and you have to assume, you know, most players are going to get better. Some are going to regress, but I would assume most are going to get better. I, If I'd have seen that, I'd have jumped on that 82 and a half. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, they must be just thinking that the Reds overachieved, right? That last year was a little more flukish than we want to believe as Reds fans. We'll see. I, I think the 82 and a half is a pretty good place to set that line. I expect them to be better. I think this team's gonna gonna contend for the central title because you said it. The uh, the rest of the division didn't improve that much. The Cubs made a couple moves that we'll talk about here in a minute, but um I think the Reds have done more to address their needs than every other team in the division. Now they haven't addressed some of the most glaring needs, at least not in ways that I think we would all hope for. But the boys are looking good, and it's there's some excitement around Cincinnati for this ball club that has not been there a lot in my lifetime. Now, you're also a diehard Bengals fan. We don't always uh, get what we want with these offseason expectations, but just quick vibes check because I haven't had you on in a few weeks. Um, how are you feeling about the state of the Reds right now as we head into the 2024 season? Well, I, you know, I've listened to you and you and Chad and, and, and Tim a couple weeks ago talking about you know, the moves the Reds have made. And, and I basically agree with what you guys have said is that, that you know, is the team better? You know, yeah, because we, you know, we got guys that are going to be at the top of the bullpen, which takes guys out of the bottom of the bullpen. Uh, I, like your brother said, like Chad said, I really don't understand the Candelaria acquisition. I, I, it seemed like it had to be the first step in, a, in, a, in at least a two-move process. The second move never happened. Um, the, the thing that, that I think what the Reds decided to do, and I don't know if they decided this or whether it's just the way it worked out, was rather than spend a whole bunch of money on one player that, that is what we would have called, you know, a, a needle mover, 
they decided to take their, their risk and spread it out. Uh, they're spending a whole bunch of money, but they're, you know, but the risk is, 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 is less because they've got, you know, five guys that are, that are making that money. So, mm -hmm. you know, if, if, if one or two of them fails, they can still do hit with the other three. But, you know, if you spend it all on one guy and he blows an arm out or just has a terrible year, then you know, you got to eat the whole thing. So I, to me, this seems like the Reds made a decision at some point, I think, to uh, just just spread their risk out over over multiple players. Yeah, I think you're right. They um, instead of building a team that's going to contend with the juggernauts, um, if you consider those to be, say, the Braves and the Dodgers, uh, maybe the Phillies in the National League, they build a team that can win a war of attrition that is deep and can trot out major league caliber hitters and pitchers for 162 games, which they have very clearly not been able to do. Um, hey, we got somebody else that wants to join us, Bill. Uh-oh. Here goes the neighborhood. Chad, Chad Dotson has joined the chat. Chad, thank you for hopping on here with us, gracing us with your presence. I'm now here with just very cosmopolitan duo. Chad, how are you? <laughs> huh? Doing great. Doing great. Good to... <laughs> To see you guys again. Happy to be back. What's going on? Not much. We were uh, talking kind of, I guess, what we talked about last week a little bit, just the, the state of the union, the vibes check for Bill since we haven't had him on in a little while. Um, but this seems like a good time to pivot to the Zips projections. We just talked, Chad, about how Caesar Sportsbook opened up with the Reds over under win total at 82 and a half. It's up to 84 now. That is a little more optimistic than – the Zips projections, which have the Reds right around 500, and I don't know if y'all got a chance to look at those. They just dropped, I think, this morning, maybe yesterday, as people listen to this. But the only things that jumped out to me was that they they don't pr project this Reds' young core to take any leaps, at least not many. They had – Ellie struck me. I went 95 OPS plus, but still 2.2 wins above replacement which makes sense with his speed and defense and the dynamic things that he can do. But they think Jamer Candelario is going to be the most valuable offensive player for the Reds. And I'll tell you what, I'm a Jamer fan. But if that's the case, I don't think that bodes too well for the chances of this ball club. Did y'all get a chance to look at that, Chad? Yeah. You know, I, what, do you, what do you make of these uh, of these Zips projections last year? We were like, oh, you know, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't know how much you can trust these. And, we kind of said, really? They say that uh, uh, Spencer Steer is going to be the most valuable offensive player on the team. What? And then, as it turns out, <laughs> you know, Spencer Steer did end up being, I, I think, uh, probably the most valuable offensive player. So um, these are just projections. These are, you know, I don't don't wager on this. Uh, but I thought they were interesting. You know, I thought Matt McLean uh, having the highest uh, wins above replacement projection on the uh, offensively uh, on the team was was interesting. I did think that. Mm -hmm. uh, Candelario's 2.6, I think, is probably 2.6 wins of a replacement. Probably that's in the neighborhood of what we can maybe hope for or expect. I mean, if you look at his last three years, um, two of them were slightly higher than that. One was below, so I don't think that's unreasonable. Um, and Ellie De La Cruz, uh, you know, 2.2 wins of a replacement. Um, essentially projecting that his, his power is not going to have any power, or his, his power is not going to be what we expect it's going to be. I, I admit that I'm an Ellie De La Cruz uh, homer, but that, that that seems awfully pessimistic 
that line. So, um, but these these are computer numbers. It's just what the computer looks at, and uh, and he is just twenty two. So let's not expect him to be the best player in the world yet. But I thought it was a little bit just from the hitter's perspective. Um, De La Cruz is the one that really jumped out to me to be uh, pessimistic. The rest of them seem kind of reasonable. I would have liked to have seen a, a better number for better numbers projected for Steer. Surprised me a little bit, but I don't see anything else completely unreasonable. Yeah, the one big thing that I noticed was that they do not like the pitching at all. This is coming on the hills of a podcast where Tim and I laid out why it seems pretty clear to me that the Reds have the best starting pitching staff in the NL Central. Um, that's disputable, sure, but the uh, fan grass projections, they think Andrew Abbott's going to lead the team in innings pitch with 143, which is not going to get it done if this team's going to make a deep run. And the only... Pitcher on the roster with a projected ERA below four that had Alexis Diaz and they had him at 3.9. Obviously, ERA is not everything. They had only Alexis Diaz, Andrew Abbott, Fernando Cruz, Hunter Green, and Nick Martinez being above league average. So they just think all this depth and all these other guys that the Reds have gone out and got are going to be worse than the league average pitcher. And I just don't see that happening. I think last year that was obviously true. But I think, I think we are in for better things this year. Bill, did you – have any thoughts on the pitching outlook, at least according to fan graphs? I wonder how much they're blaming this on, on the ballpark. Mm -hmm. that, they, that they think the ballpark is going to affect the pitching staff so deeply. Uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt that the pitching staff is better than it was last year. You know, high end, you, you assume Abbott is going to get better. Um, I hope. Uh, the bullpen, as we said you know, earlier, we brought some guys in that are going to help at the top of the bullpen. So you're not going to have as many guys that you're having to run out there in, in high leverage situations at the bottom of the bullpen. I, you know, I don't see how you can, you can say this, this pitching staff isn't going to be better than it was last year. I, I would, I, if, if I was going to see regression, I would expect to see more regression on the offensive side than I did on the, on the pitching staff. Yeah. I, the pitching staff. I agree with that completely. Um, did you see uh so zips does a fun thing where they, Lay out potential comps for the pit for the players. Did you see who Andrew Abbott's number one comp was? Mm -mm. A little guy named Tom Browning. I said, Sorry, you know I'll take that. We'll, we'll take that. We'll take a little Tom Browning from Andrew Abbott. Speaking of Tom Browning, I don't know if you've ever read a book about that guy, but uh, there are a lot of good books about that um, era of Reds baseball. And Chad, you wrote about some of these books. You actually wrote one of the books. <laughs> <laughs> you no, Chris Garber wrote the book. Chad just put his name on it. Uh, That's yeah, right. right. Um, <laughs> really for anybody that does, on it. For anybody that does not subscribe to Chad's Substack, he had a really fun read that dropped. Was it this morning or yesterday? I don't remember. Um, yesterday. Both mm -hmm. of those answers will be wrong once the people actually listen to this. <laughs> That's true. Right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> but um, Chad laid out all of his top books on the Cincinnati Reds, the must-have Cincinnati Reds book library, if you will. And I was pretty disappointed in myself with how few of those I had read, and I have some serious homework to do. I am curious to see what some of our listeners, what their count is, but that was a really cool piece. I highly encourage anyone to check it out. Chad, other than The Big 50, what's your favorite book in that list? Well, and again, you can check this out. Just go to chaddotson.com. It's there. Um this was this was fun because uh, a lot of these are a lot a lot of these are, are good are, yeah good reads I think now there's not as many great reads uh, about the Reds as you would hope my favorite is probably um, 
and your your mileage may vary on this, but I'm a Joe Posnanski fan. Uh, the Machine, um, his book about the 1975 Cincinnati Reds that I just uh, loved it, and I think he's literally I think he's the best sports writer today. And uh, and after that, uh, it's it's one that I've referred to a number of times uh, here and in print. Um, it's not been in print in years. Published in 2000, um, but it's it's Red Leg Journal, and essentially every day uh, of the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, up through the year 2000, they went day by day. What happened that day? You know, just everything from somebody's birthday to, uh, you know, the Reds signed this guy or, you know, whatever happened off the field. Um, I love that book. Absolutely love it. So that's, those are, those are some, you can find it on eBay uh, and things. I'd, I'd love to have an updated uh, edition of that, but uh, that's, that's what I would say. It was fun to go through some of those. There's a lot, there are a lot of Reds books and there are a lot of good ones, you know, yeah. Jim Brosnan's, um, the 1961 uh, uh, pennant race about the, the Reds, you know, race to the, the 61 pennant. That's a, that's a good memoir. Um, there's plenty of them. There's a, there's a ton of them. Yeah, there were way more than I would have expected. Bill, what's your favorite, not just Reds, baseball book of all time? Now, I know this answer. Well, well for, first, I, I found one on my bookshelf that wasn't on Chad's list, which surprised me. Really? What is it? Red Legs and Black Socks. Oh, Red Legs. Ed Roush and the Untold Story of the 1919 World Series. Is that uh, who wrote that? Jacob Susan uh, Dellinger. Susan oh. Dellinger. I don't know. I've not seen that. One. Susan Dellinger, comma PhD. Ooh, All right. well, there you, that's that's how that's how you know it's good. But to answer your question, and Chad, after I saw your list, I went on eBay and bought the Morgan book because I've never read the Morgan Morgan book. It's pretty good. Yeah. So. But my favorite baseball book, and Chad Chad knows what answer this is, Ball Four. I, I, yeah, I think it's I think it's the best baseball book ever written. I, to I this read it day, for the first time last year. It is, to this day, it still it makes me laugh out loud. Uh, my my big my favorite Reds book is probably uh, Big Red Dynasty or Great. Is it? I always blow the yeah. name. Big Red Dynasty. Oh, I just looked at the shelf. Uh, I was. I was surprised that you left off my favorite Reds book. It is called uh, Marge Shots Sultry Scenes. It's a boudoir photo shoot. (laughs) Marge Shot. I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. A hundred pages of just glory. Highly recommend. Go check it out. Hey, Chad. I'll tell you the website's off air. Nate's new wife about his dark web. It's it's unhealthy. Yeah, it's unhealthy. Love it. All right. Um, well, guys, the Reds made a move. They made a move, um, I don't know, I guess about two hours ago as we are recording this. Your Cincinnati Reds have signed relief pitcher left-hander Brent Suter on a one-year deal. It's a $3 million guarantee that takes the form of $2.5 million salary next year with a 500 k buyout on a $3.5 million club option for 2025. A local um, guy. I didn't have a yeah, I did not have a ton of time to look into this, but on the surface, it seems to sort of fit that trend. That thing you were talking about earlier, Bill. He's better than the guy that would have been pitching in that role if we didn't have him. Cincinnati guy is uh if you look at just go look at his ERA plus pluses over the year, you're gonna like that. He has been above league average every year. Um got reaction, Chad, to the Brent Suter signing. 
Yeah, you know, uh, again, not that, not that it moves the needle much, but the team's a little bit better today. This was the most yeah. predictable signing ever. At some point, Brent Suter was going to be a red. I mean, there's just, yeah, every local kid eventually has to come back at some point. That's, that's, that's the MO of this organization. Uh, what I like about he lefty, uh, he uh, throws a lot of ground balls, so he should uh, mm-hmm. fit in well in Great American. So, I mean, again, uh, I'm not going to go get excited too excited about it, but the team's a little better than they were yesterday, so that's a good thing. Yeah, on the heels of uh, Nick Crawl saying that he's uh, pretty much done making moves. Obviously, he said you know, major moves, but I think a lot of people got a little nervous that the, the team was going to be as it was when he said that, and that's not the case. There's still ways to improve, and the Reds and Nick Crawl are out there trying to do it. Bill, what do you think about this move? I like it. Uh, he's a he's a sustained molar kid uh, guy. He he. Uh, I looked at his splits. That's what you know for lefties. That's what I always first thing I looked at. He and he had reverse splits last year, uh, but for his career, he said his splits are pretty good. Uh, and we've been looking for left-handed arms out of the bullpen for years. So there's just another chance to be a left-handed arm out of the bullpen. I think he makes, I think he makes this team. Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. I don't think they'd give him that kind of money if he wasn't going to. The Reds like these lefties that have reverse splits. I don't know what the deal. Well, Alex, he, only had, he only had reverse splits last year. I, okay. For his career, he's got good, good, true splits. I'm going to enjoy watching him. Um, I was watching some highlights. He throws a bunch of junk. He relies on, Control location, um, weak contact. So he's not going to give up a lot of home runs. Don't throw a lot of ground balls. He uh, still has pretty decent numbers in Colorado, which you have to think plays into a decision to uh, the Reds front office being comfortable bringing him to Cincinnati. So I mean, yeah, we're not going to put up a statue yet, but welcome to town, Brent Suter. Well, he's 34. I mean, that's, you know, and, he, and he, he's a soft tosser. So those are maybe concerns, but the results have been good. And, and frankly, I, you know, put him with Sam Mole and Alex Young. That's a decent triumvirate of uh, lefties out there. I, yeah. It's better than they've had. Yeah. And everybody keeps saying, and Brandon Williamson, enough of that, people. Brandon Williamson will be either in the starting rotation in Cincinnati or Louisville, most likely Louisville, or he will stay stretched out and he will make 15 starts and then he can be in the bullpen in the playoffs. Um, what else happened? Got some more news of the week. I don't know if you call this news or not. Bobby Nightingale, Nightingale said that three teams are showing interest in Joey Votto. That is too few. And he did not say who they were, so it could very well just be some made-up stuff, which would be a trend for Major League Baseball reporters and journalism over the offseason. Um, if Joey Votto's not a red, where do you want to see him? Uh, I, Toronto, I guess I, you know, I, I don't really care if he's not a Reddit. I'm just, it's irritating, but I, yeah, whatever. Um, I will wait to hear this reported from an actual reporter. Bob Nightingale's <laughs> gotten more things wrong than he's gotten right in the last 10 years. So I'm going to wait to, for actually Joey, Joey did make a comment. I don't know if you all saw that on, yeah. on Twitter. Joey made a comment on this report. Joey said it was actually four teams. Uh, and, uh, Joey's showing his age. I think so he said the, the care bears, we're the fourth team because they need a grumpy bear. That's that's Joey Votto humor <laughs> for you right there. So your mileage may vary. Classic. Love it. Bill, any thoughts on the uh, where, where Joey might I end up? See, I, I, I do not want to see him in our division. You know, some people said Pittsburgh. I don't want to see him in a pirate uniform. That'd make me throw up. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, 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 I would like to see I would like to see him come back to Cincinnati like Perez did in 84. Hey, now we're talking. He might hit 50 home no, runs. No, wait, wait. Play in Chicago. 
No, I, I would rather him come back like Pete Rose did in 1984 as the player manager. Player manager. I love this. I mean, listen, that's what Bill I mean. Belichick retired. Was that turned Pete out? Was gone. Nick Saban's gone. David Bell, you're next. <laughs> Managers are flying away left and right. David Bell retires, leaves the space for Joey to come back as player manager. I love it. Um, little other news, I guess. Um, the MLB executives were pulled. That was the, then a pause, and then MLB, because I realized it's not the MLB. MLB execs were polled, and they had some futures predictions that I thought were somewhat interesting, at least worth tossing out on here during a slow news week. Um, they had Noelle Marte, third in Rookie of the Year voting. The weirdest part about that, because I've, I've, I've been saying it for weeks on here, Noelle Marte is going to have a huge year. He's going to be your Rookie of the Year. I am so high on this kid. I love everything about him. Um, Jacob Hurtabisi also got some votes, apparently. How is that? Not a real person. Awesome. Not a real player. Some, some, Doug Gray made that up. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe it. Rhett Louder was voted the uh, number one pitching prospect with, uh, at least according to pitchability. I don't know what that means. And at this you know, point, so I'm afraid to ask. That's not a word. It's completely made up. <laughs> but Rhett Louder is good. I'll, so that's it. Uh, I'll anyway, take it. That's a good thing. Yeah, I'll take it. It's like when somebody says hit tool. I mean, you mean, you mean the bat? <laughs> The bat. Just <laughs> right. Right. Um, Edwin Royo got a few votes for best defensive prospect. Connor Phillips got some votes for best fastball. And yeah, the Reds, far system's good. I don't think we need to belabor this point. We hope it's less good and they use it to go out and get some talent. Um, there was some other news, I guess. Arbitration. We do have to talk about this. The Reds avoided arbitration with everyone that they wanted to, except for one person. The players they did get an agreement with were Lucas Sims for $2.85 million, TJ Antone, Captain Hook for $830,000, the aforementioned Alex Young, $1.16 million, Jake Fraley at $2.15, Tyler Stevenson at $2.525. That's good. We've always heard that the Reds love to avoid arbitration. Um, that seems to me like pretty much common sense. That's just a good thing. You don't want two people having to argue their point when the strategy is to make the other person look worse, which makes it notable that the one player that they did not reach an arbitration agreement with was Jonathan India. He who has had some issues with trade rumors and I don't know. He just seems like that relationship has sort of been on edge for a little while now. So Bill, do you think this means anything do you have any gut reactions to the fact that they did not reach with him? Does it show anything about how the club maybe values Jonathan India compared to the way he values himself? What do you think? I think we'll know a lot more when the numbers come out. I, that'll tell the tale. Um, I, I would tend to believe that he is overvaluing himself because uh, the Reds seem to value him uh, from, from everything they've said. The fact that they haven't traded him when there have been offers, you know, apparently. Uh, I, but I think we'll know a lot more when we see the numbers, which I think come out next next week, I think, Monday. Yeah, I hope so. Chad, any thoughts on the ongoing Jonathan India saga? I, I think that uh, that Bill's right that uh, I, I wouldn't draw too many conclusions yet, but when we see the numbers, we'll get a better idea of how they view them. And uh, I, I'll tell you how I anticipate the arbitration hearing going, the the uh, 
Jonathan India's uh, representative will begin and just talk about how great he is. And here's all the big number I, I, that, that he, he uh, deserves and the Reds need to pay him every penny that he deserves. And then uh, Nick Crawl's going to come in and, and he's going to say, something? you suck. <laughs> it's just going to get ugly after that. That's my, that's well, and that, and that, you know, and, that, and you kind of alluded to that, Nate, the arbitration process is not good for your team. I mean, because because like you said, you have to come in, you have to be, you know, opposition in there. You're, you're pointing out every flaw in the player and the players come out, you know, he doesn't have any flaws. And, and then you got to turn around and go back in the clubhouse and forget about everything that was said in that move in that room. And, and that would be hard to do I would yeah. you know, for, for any athlete because because, you know, athletes don't have any egos. Yeah, yeah, none whatsoever. I mean, look no further than um, over in Milwaukee. There's still probably bad blood with uh, Corbin Burns in that front office. He was livid, and he took it to the uh, to the media's to let everyone know how angry he was with how um, what mo- the Brewers' perceived value of him was. So, yeah. I hope that's one of those things where um, they're not that far off, and they come to an amicable resolution. We'll see. Stay tuned. The Jonathan India continues all right um we had a birthday res had a birthday today as recording this so yesterday as people will be listening to it so happy 22nd birthday to ellie de la cruz which is your friendly reminder that ellie de la cruz is 11 years old <laughs> he's a kid he is happy so birthday, young man and the sky is the limit when, i can't even remember when i was 22 i certainly don't remember my 22nd birthday I was told I had fun. I was in the med on an aircraft carrier. I probably had more fun. So was Nate. So so was Nate as far as <laughs> I don't know how I got there. As far as he knows. <laughs> yeah, happy birthday, Ellie. Remember that the kids are kids, and he is going to be something special. All right, so we wanted to um, continue our off-season trend of evaluating the Reds' position groups and See where they stand, power ranking them against the other teams in the NL Central. So it's time for the infield edition. I wish I had like a but we don't. I did it with my mouth. Enjoy. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> um, last week we did starting pitching. Like I mentioned, the Reds shape up pretty well. Um, they're not as top heavy as a couple teams, but that depth looks really, really good when you start looking at those three, four, five positions for the other teams in the division. Since then, the Cubs did add Shota Imanaga, who is um, another one of these um, heralded Japanese pitchers, doesn't have the profile of the other two big names that we're super familiar with, but he's a profiles as a middle of the rotation kind of guy. I don't think it moves the needle as far as our projections go, does not catch them up with the Reds, but he is a fly ball pitcher, pitching in Chicago. So I love it. You love to see it. I hope he has a wonderful career, makes a lot of money, but not against the Reds. So going into the positional rankings, it's not quite as rosy for our beloved Red Legs as the starting pitching was. We have some good depth. I think we got guys that we're all going to be really high on. But none of the projections seem to quite agree with this. Just based on Steamer wins above replace wins above replacement projections, and I went with Steamer because Zips did come out, but they came out, you know, too late in today before I could get to them. Steamer's consistent with what we used last week. They project the Cardinals infield 
to by far lead the division with 18 wins above replacement. And I see, uh, I have a hard time arguing with that. Um, I think that Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt are kind of the, uh, the, the gold standard for their positions in the entire National League, if not MLB. And I'm pretty scared. I think I'm, I'm hoping and praying, sacrificing what I have to every week, that the uh, the Cardinals team we saw last year is what we're going to see again. But I am worried that this team that did make some starting pitching improvements is going to be right in the thick of things again in 2024. So, Chad, what are your thoughts on what the Cardinals are doing with Aaron Field? Uh, it stinks. I mean, you know, uh, obviously Goldschmidt and um, and Arenado are the headliners, and the Reds don't have anyone that can compare to those two, frankly, um, at least uh, in terms of reputation yet. Um, but you know, I mean, uh, this uh, this guy, uh, uh, um, Nolan Gorman, I think is a you know a a, a decent player. I think uh, Zips likes him quite a bit. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think the Cardinals are, are very clearly the uh, the best infield in the league now at shortstop. Uh, they, I don't think they have anyone that can compare to either Matt McClain or Ellie De La Cruz, in my opinion. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's uh, Tommy Edmond going to play there or Mason Wynn or who it's going to be. But uh, um, I, I don't know. They have Goldschmidt, who is, you know, even at his age, still Goldschmidt. They have Arenado, who is, you know, not what he once was necessarily either, but still Arenado. That's a. It, it stinks, but, yeah, that's a pretty good group. Yeah, they're still really good. And Steamers agrees with you in a heavy way because, like I said, they are projected 18 wins above replacement. And the way I did this, um, at least the way I looked at it, was I looked at the team's top eight projected infield players because I don't want to mess around with the DH and all that. Just people that are likely to get you know, substantial innings in the infield. The Reds do come in second with 11.7 wins above replacement. That is... 6.3 wins bro placement less than the Cardinals. So that is a giant drop-off. Now, I will say that I think that Steamer is low. I think that we're going to get better than these projections say for Ellie, Noel Marte, Jonathan India, CS, Jamie Candelario, Tyler Stevenson, I'm hopeful for, but I will be um, cautiously hopeful. And then Luke Maley. I think that the Reds could seriously – outperform these projections, but I don't think they're going to catch up with St. Louis. Bill, how do you think the Reds infield stacks up? Well, I, I agree with you. I, I, there's no doubt that the that the Cardinals are the best infield in, in the division and probably in the National League, but I don't think that the, I don't think the gap is as big as these product, predictions uh, projections leave us. I don't think it's a six wins above replacement difference. Uh, and I think they're under I don't know which one of these Reds is going to overperform the, their numbers that they're estimating or projecting, but I think multiple of them will. Yeah, it's kind of wild that they, I mean, you think of somebody being valuable once they get to that like three to four wins above replacement range. That's when they're sort of a level above, and they only have Matt McClain. Now, I'm excited that a lot of these systems do seem to have Matt McClain having another very good year because I think he is a prime. Um, regression candidate for the Reds. So hopefully I'm wrong on that. He's rocking a mustache now. I don't know if you saw that float around the internet today. So that's a good sign. Chad. Uh, Always a good sign. Always a good sign. Jets. Yes. I love it. So the Reds they have coming in second place, at least as far as the projections go. 
Um, I think that seems pretty accurate. Next up would be the Brewers. I am not very high on the Brewers core. I think they are extremely top heavy with William Contreras and then Willie Adamas. Um, after that, it looks pretty bleak. Um, they got a guy named Vinny Capra. That's all I'm going to say about that because that's just a good baseball name. <laughs> so I think he's going to do better than his point one. Either, either that or he's a character from alone. The Sopranos. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, the, 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 go ahead, Jack. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of the Brewers don't have a first baseman. <laughs> I mean, really, you know. So that's that's a that's a that's a I do like Adamus, who the Reds should have acquired a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't have, you know, some of my estimation of who has the best infield group, and it's the Cardinals. But I think the Reds are not far behind. Uh, some of that is is based on my belief that the the guys the Reds have are are better than what the computer numbers say they are. So. Um, there's a little bit of bias, I think just, and maybe it's, uh, it's biased because I've seen more of the Reds guys, but I like this Brewers group and I am not impressed at all. I know, you know, um, yeah, Contreras is good, obviously behind the plate and, uh, the Reds don't have anything that can match that, but man, I'm just not, I'm not seeing it. Well, this is a theme with all these other, the other three teams in the central is that there's only a couple dudes that are like, you know, Legit guys, guy guys. After that, they are relying on a lot of innings from people that don't even make every ball club. You know, I feel like the Reds and Cardinals are trotting out dudes that have a spot on almost every major league team across the board. Yeah. I guess over Chicago is coming up um, there behind Milwaukee with their projections, and they've got – you know, the the Miles Masturbonis of the world, the Matt Mervises and the Patrick Wisdoms, and they just acquired today a, a prospect from the Dodgers that people are pretty pumped about for them. It seems like a 26-year-old power hitter who has such such a bad defender that he couldn't even see the field in Los Angeles where he played in positions of need. So, you know, I just think that the Reds, once again, are going to stack up favorable. Now, it's not like the starting rotation. I don't think there is a clear number one or even a path to being the best if assuming health for, you know, every team involved. But I think the Reds are deep and there's a lot more upside than a lot of these other, other teams. And then of course the Pittsburgh Pirates bringing up the rear with uh 9.2 wins above replacement out of their infield, relying heavily on O'Neill Cruz, the lesser of the Dominican cruises in this division. So I don't think we need to go too hard in the paint on this. The Reds are pretty good, but probably not the best. Um, last year, they may have overperformed a little bit. The Cardinals certainly underperformed quite a bit. So when you are looking around at a lot of these um, projections as they come out through uh, Steamer or Zips or whoever, and you see the Reds projected around 500 and, and pick second, third in the division, you know, I think uh, if you're a betting man, put a little money on it. But you can understand why when you see guys like Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. For these well, other teams. Well, I'm maybe a little less high on the uh on the on the pitching staff than than you and, and Tim are. I just I, I they, they gotta do it before the inch, you know, uh before I see anything. They, they've shown flashes, but not a single pitcher in the Reds Rodition has ever put it together uh for a long period of time. Uh and we talk about depth, but do we really have depth? I mean, you know, if Brandon Williamson is what you're counting on for depth, that's okay. That's better than what they had last year. I think they're improved, but I think but I think you're right. I think uh pitching starting pitching. And infield are top two 
in the National League Central. That's a big deal. Uh, wait till we talk about the outfield. That's all <laughs> I'll say there. So. Yeah. Um, just keep in mind that we're, we're doing this for the NL Central only because you win your division, you go to the playoffs. And that's what this team needs to do. That's all I care about right now. I will be um, ready to run out the pitchforks at the trade deadline this year if the Reds are contending and they don't do anything. But in the meantime, it's a long season. Put your, give yourself a chance to compete for that playoff spot. So I, I have the Reds, like Chad said, second second best infield um, with a bullet. Bill, how do you think they stack up against the other guys? I, I think the same thing. I think they're the second best infield. I think, but I don't think, like I said earlier, I don't think the difference is as big as the, the projected wins above replacement states. I think the Reds are closer to St. Louis than they are. And, and maybe, you know, a bit more of a gap between the Reds and, and the teams below them. Yeah, I could see that being the case too. But uh, I'm going to keep just trying to focus on the uh, the positive here, which is last year at this time, we were seriously wondering if the Reds were going to lose 100 games. And now we are having reasonable discussions about them being amongst the top two teams in the division. So, well, thank you for that. Because that. That, that is something we need to remember. It's a fact. Yeah, enjoy that, Reds fans. Enjoy it while we can because there's a lot of optimism right now. I'm having a good time with it. Speaking of having a good time, let's get into some viewer mail questions. Y'all ready? Sure. Let's do it. As always, these are actual messages and letters from actual viewers. They write them. They are delivered by Carrier Pigeon to Bill's house because he's still, you know, he's of an age. They received those. But um, shout out to everybody from patreon.com slash riverfront since where you two can join the family. We appreciate y'all so much. Um, please come join in on the hijinks. Our first question comes from fan favorite Rich Thompson. Shockingly concise. Rich says, which Godzilla movies are better? Classic Godzilla with a guy in a rubber suit movies or updated CGI Godzilla movies? Chad, this seems like one you need to answer. Well, here's what I'll say. Until the year of our Lord 20 and 23, there was never a single good Godzilla movie. <laughs> they were all bad. Every single one of them. And so... Uh, the Godzilla minus one that came out in uh, last year was the, however, unbelievable, very, very good. Loved it. And uh, so it was a kind of a revelation for me the first time I ever en actually enjoyed a Godzilla movie. So the answer is uh, to Rich's question, I guess that the answer is um, the uh, updated CGI Godzilla movies. Cause there's actually one of those that was, that was actually good. The most recent one. There's my answer. Deal with it. <laughs> Serious thoughts on this one, Bill. Uh, never seen a Godzilla movie in all my born days. What is wrong with y'all? <laughs> you, you, you want that list chronological or alphabetical? <laughs> <laughs> um, unlike these two, I'm a sucker for bad giant monster movies. I'll admit they're bad, but I enjoy them anyway. I'm going to go CGI. The crazier, the better. I thought that uh, Godzilla versus Kong that came out a couple years ago was awesome it's just fun thrill ride for two plus hours i had a blast if they can just get more vin diesel in these movies what if chad what if jason statham was in the godzilla movie what well now fought, see what if you fought godzilla <laughs> well now that movie i would be there on opening night to see that's the type of thing we need more of in these godzilla isn't movies. that opening this weekend the godzilla keeper 
something like that. Yes, you're uh, <laughs> you're you're previewing what my answer to a future beer mill question here in a little while. So we won't go into that too much more. Right. But uh, now you're talking my language. I love it. Um, our next question comes from Rex Scott. It says, guys, you may answer these questions while talking about infielders, but who do you see as players who should be everyday roster calls at their infield spot and who could play a role platooning at an infield position? Who needs the everyday role to develop or get into a rhythm? Or is the everyday role a thing of the past in an era when managers play multiple lineups? This is a good question, and I guess we didn't really go into enough detail. Um, and we don't have the time or patience to go back and re-record and edit anything about who we think the Reds' primary infielders are going to be. require rethinking. Yeah, well, I mean, we barely <laughs> think about the first time, so much less doing it again. Um, so Tyler Stevenson, obviously, at catcher first base. I think we're going to see a few names. We're going to see Jamar Candelario. We'll see some CES. I can see Spencer Steer getting a few innings there. Um, I don't know that anybody else would. Second base, we have the Matt McLean, Jonathan India shenanigans. We have no idea what's going to happen with India there. Um, shortstop, Ellie, Matt McLean, Kevin Newman. Oh, nope, sorry. Sorry. Take it easy, guys. Sorry. How dare you? I should do that to you. Third base gets wild. We have um, Noelvi Marte, CES, going to play some third base. Ellie can play some third base. I wouldn't be surprised if Matt McClain, Matt McClain could. Spencer Steer could. But to get into Rex's doesn't, qu- doesn't Candelario play third also? Can- Candelario plays a lot of third, um, which I think he probably should spend more time at, and the Reds are going to utilize him, or so it seems, because his positional versatility, his bat plays a lot better at a corner infield spot than it does at DH. But um, to answer Rex's question, I don't know that it's going to be platooning so much as it's just going to be a rotation to keep guys healthy and keep bats in the lineup. Um, I don't think there's any obvious platoon candidates in the infield. Um, that's just my two cents. I don't. Do you guys see any obvious moves that David Bell's going to make? Because David Bell's going to tinker. He's a tinkerer. Yeah. I think what I would say is platooning is, pro- like you said, probably not the, the right word because when I think of platooning, I think somebody's going to bat against lefties and another guy against righties, and uh, you're going to mix and match that way. Uh, I do think there's going to be a lot of mixing and matching just to get pe- keep people fresh, keep them in, in, in the lineup. To to kind of go back to um, the question that, that Rex originally asked, if I were making the decisions, which clearly I'm not, uh, there's really one guy that I would say, here's your position. You're there the whole season, period. We're not going to tinker too much with it. Now you give them days off occasionally, but and that's shortstop with Ellie De La Cruz. I, you know, I, I just think you get him as many at bats as you can get him, and you get him as many reps at shortstop as you can get him. And we'll know by the end of the year whether he's the shortstop of the future or whether he needs to go to the second base or center field, something like that. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're going to see a lot of mixing and matching, and it's not necessarily a bad thing that David Bell's mixing and moving the guys around because if guys have positional versatility, it helps the team ultimately. Um, but I just want to see if Ellie is the shortstop going forward. And so that, I think that's the one guy I would uh, keep there primarily. So that's the way I would answer the question. I, I think that's a good, good, good point, Chad. The only other thing I would say about the mixing and matching is we know how David Bell mixes and matches. So if some guy's got, you know, if he's four for 12, off a pitcher and he's in a, and that guy, that pitcher's going at that. He's going to be in the lineup as they move and match around. You know, he, he, David doesn't, Bell doesn't seem to give any thought to small sample size, anything like, Oh, he can hit, he hits him. Well, well, yeah. I mean, three games, you know, 
So, I, you know, that that's what I'm afraid of, what the mixing and matching is going to bring. Rather than playing guys that are they're they're on a streak, or playing guys that are playing well, or or taking guys out that aren't playing well. Um, well, that's what's going to make the rest of this offseason pretty interesting because right now it seems like the only two players that he's going to be able to do that with are Jose Barrero and um, Stuart Fairchild. You know, mixing and matching those two, everybody else is, in my opinion, at least some caliber of major league starter. So I, I like that this strikes me as a David Bell proof lineup, not in that he won't have his fingers all over it, but it'll just be moving guys around instead of the Kevin Newmans and the Kyle Farmers of the world right. getting way too many bats. I think that's a good point. I think the fact that, um, that there's not a Kevin Newman in that infield mix. David Bill proof it. I like that the way you put that as that the, you know, the, the Kevin Newman type is going to be probably Jonathan India in terms yeah. of a guy that, you know, um, and, and, you know, for whatever you think about Jonathan India, he's way better than Kevin Newman. So I think that's, that's uh, uh, trying to be optimistic, buddy. That's a reason to be optimistic. Yeah. I'm hoping the Reds are at the, you know, the forefront with the Dodgers and a couple of other teams of this like positionless baseball. Everybody thought it was crazy in basketball until it was the norm. You're starting to see a lot more of it in, uh, in football, which is a much more, Difficult sport to do that in the way that they're starting to use the Micah Parsons and the Miles Garrett's, you know, guys that instead of lining up in one spot every time are going all around the defensive line. So we'll see how it plays out. It's one of the reasons I'm so excited about this team is I think they can trot out some pretty daunting lineups, especially when you include Will Benson. And we'll get into this platoon conversation a little bit more when we talk about the outfield next week, Rex. Joey Gaditza up next and not really a question, just thankful for and love y'all. I'm beyond stoked for this season, Joey. Thank you. We love you too, man. You're the man. Joey is the man, by the way. Can I just say that? He is in the running for my favorite Canadian Joey. He's one of the top three, at least. At least yeah. top three. Next question comes from Kyle Kapler. Not saying that I'm saying yes, but are teams afraid to trade with Nick Crawl? There's a caveat here. I did ask for uh, all your questions, no matter how wacky. And Kyle said he did ask for wacky, so he came with it. And I don't know if it's a uh, completely ridiculous question. He's um, he's won a lot of trades lately, so it seems. But I would say probably not, Kyle. What about you, Chad? I love it. I just I, it reminds me of the framing you'll see from a lot of this this uh, group you see on social media that just worship at the at the altar of Nick Crawl. You know, I think he's he's the perfect. That's the way to frame the fact that the Reds didn't make any trades. The Reds didn't acquire anybody that really moved the needle, as Bill put it earlier. It's because everybody's afraid of Nick Crawl. That's the way to frame it. Just let's go with that. Why not? Fear the crawl. Fear the cr- mighty crawl. <laughs> he's a daunting, daunting man. Right. Next question comes from Hooper Powell. Hooper asks, I think the forgotten man in the infield is Alex Blandino and his hair if they end up trading India, which I don't think they will. How many wins above replacement would be lost if India was gone and Blandino was in his spot? How many wins above replacement is uh, India projected for? I don't um, up anymore. Let me see if I can pull this up real quick. Jonathan, 1. India, 1. 1.7. 1.4 on, on Steamer on the ones that... Okay, 1.7 1. 1. on, 1. on Zips. So, one so the, 
The answer is one and a half. That's how many. That's how much the Reds would lose if they replaced India with Blandino. I like Blandino's hair. He's a handsome, handsome man, but uh, he's not. He's not a legit MLB infielder. If nothing else, Jonathan India is a legit MLB uh, player. Yeah, and Jonathan India's tumultuous 2023. He had 1.4 wins per replacement. Blandino's best season ever was 0.2. Yeah, um, I will say. And, and, and looking up those numbers, I found out some an interesting sort of chain there. The Reds got Blandino due to a first-round pick following Shin Su Chu rejecting a qualifying offer. He was eventually picked up by the Giants. Then he was dealt to the Mariners for, does anybody know? Stuart Fairchild. Ah, what about that? Synchronicity. It all comes back around to Stuart Fairchild. They all become Reds eventually. Like Kevin um, Bacon. Exactly. <laughs> this next one I am going to touch on really quickly because we've had this question come up, whether it's in the Slack channel or other um, other avenues. And we haven't really talked about it on here, so I'll address it quickly and then, and then keep moving. Um, Trevor Bauer. A lot of people think that he could be a, uh, be a fit or have a role on this team. Um, to them, what I would say is if you are only looking at baseball things, then sure. Like just stats, he would be an improvement to the rotation. He is a very, very good baseball pitcher. Um, yes, innocent and took guilty and all that stuff. But my theory would just be that the Reds came out and said, they got ahead of it and said that he will not be considered due to currently pending litigation against him and other factors that they deemed, whether it be distractions or just not worth the time, they have decided that Trevor Bauer, despite how good of a pitcher he may be, is not worth it on this franchise of young, impressionable people. So that's my take on that. I don't know if y'all want to add anything. I'll just say quickly, I think the question that, that, that Jay asked us in, in the viewer mail section here uh, is a completely reasonable question to be to be asking. I don't think there's anything True. wrong with asking that question. Um, I just, you know, there's this is an entertainment product and um, you have you have to not just be concerned about the play on the field. You have to be concerned about the bad PR and for whatever it's worth, you know, uh, you're going to get a boatload of it with not of stuff. If you try to bring Bauer back. So I understand just on the pitching side, he, he was so great in his Cy Young season with the Reds that shortened season. I understand why people would want him back. I'm going to have to trust the Reds uh, on on this one as much as I hate to trust the Reds on anything. Yeah. So that's and all i important say. to keep in mind also that all those guys making those decisions had front row seats when he was in Cincinnati. So they're, they know the insides and outs. And what did Bauer look like when he pitched overseas? He was awful. So not great. Uh, you know, he may and not be the a, same pitcher. I don't know. And there's a reason nobody else has signed it. You know, it's not like we're the only team that could sign it. Yeah, that's right. And, and the other I, thing is, uh, you know, the hit on Chad's point, unless you're the Cleveland Browns, you take public relations into account when you make big sign. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that's right. All right. So our next question comes from James Urban. What is the most anticipated movie release of 2024? For me, it's easy. Dune 2. I'm ready. Bring it on. I'm mad that it got delayed to 2024. I reread the book recently. I'm not like a super fan or anything, but it's pretty good. I can't believe they pulled off the movie. Timothy Chalamet 
dreamy guy like him, Zendaya, legend. Bring it on. Dune 2 for me. Chad? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the first Dune was good. Um, great director. Uh, you know, whatever. That's not my most anticipated. My most anticipated. Um, as Bill noted earlier, coming out this weekend in theaters, The Beekeeper starring the man, the myth, the legend, Jason Statham. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, I'm going to be there on opening night. It's going to be fun. Um, I'll mention two other quick ones if I could, though. Um, later this year, I am strangely excited for The Fall Guy with uh, Ryan Gosling. <laughs> I just remember the old uh, uh, television show. Oh, really? Uh, I, I haven't even loved heard of it. Yeah, I loved that show back in the day. Oh, my goodness. Lee Majors. Um, that's, that's not why you loved one. it. That's not why you loved it. It is. It is. He was cool. Um, and the other one I'll say, August uh, August 9th, Borderlands. I don't know if you, any of you have seen this uh, video game, but uh, uh, Eli Roth directing it, Kate Blanchett starring, Jack Black, Kevin Hart, Jamie Lee Curtis. Border. I want to. I just want to see what it is. So anyway, those are my anticipated movies. Bill, you got anything? The only thing I, I don't keep in, in touch with the you know long the, the movies that are coming out all that often. I usually just go by the trailers of what I see at the movie theater because I love trailers. I think the Bob Marley movie looks interesting. Mm-hmm. Agree. I, I think one love. I, yeah, I, I think I'm looking forward to seeing that. And my wife is a big Bob Marley fan, so we'll be we'll be going to see that. And my and my son and I are going to see the Beekeeper this weekend. As a matter of fact, nice. I'll see you there. Yeah. yeah. I'll be the guy with the popcorn. We got a little spoiled 2023. This was such a good year for movies, and then the writer strike Great happened. Movie. So, well, there's still a few things that are probably going to be announced for 2024, but that's a good question, James. Love those love those questions. Brandon Kamek with our final question of the day. What would you pick as your walk-up song? Springsteen answers only. There's a chat going in the uh, Patreon how the, uh, the winner, Hooper, of the Fantasy Football League, would donate his winnings if Chad sang Glory Days start to finish on the podcast. <laughs> I think you'll just have to enjoy your winnings, Hooper. <laughs> Bill, what would your walk-up song be? Wow, I'm um, born to run, I guess. I, I'll pull something out easy. That's because Bill's I a think- speedy Vince, Vince Coleman type. Yeah, that, yeah, I, I'm, I, I am the speedster from, you yeah. know. Right. I've always, always said that about Bill. Built for yeah. speed. <laughs> Chad? Oh, it's, uh, you know, first of all, you know, everyone knows my opinion of, of, uh, of Springsteen. Um, I watched the Golden Globe Awards the other night and they had to ruin it by having Springsteen in the room. Um, also, they but my that answer... guy out there for this award show and he lost. Yeah, like at good. His age, like, good. Give him a heads up or something. Uh, he and Taylor Swift both both lost. That was, that was, that was wonderful. Oh, gosh. Um, so uh, for me, it's easy, though. It's dancing in the dark, but uh, the caveat to that is, you have to when you, when you, when I'm walking to the play, I got to do that dance like Courtney Cox did in in, in the video, you know. So <laughs> I, I thought you would have Courtney that. Cox walk you to the plate. Oh well, that's even better. That's even better. <laughs> so we're talking uh, dancing in the dark. For me, I'm going to go Tenth Avenue Freeze Out. Ooh, I'm good song. Much good song. bigger Springsteen fan than Chad is, because nobody's perfect. All right, that is going to wrap it up up for this episode of The Riverfront. Chad, what else is going on in your world, man? Tell people where to find you. Tell people what's happening at The Riverfront. Tell people how your dog is. I don't know. Just tell people things. All right, where to find me? Don't find me. Just leave me alone. 
I do not want to be found. Um, <laughs> ignore me. I barely get on the Twitters anymore. I don't do any of that nonsense because I'm sick of it. Um, you can you can uh, subscribe to my newsletter if you want. It's free. Uh, ChadDotson.com. No, at the Riverfront, man. This is it's a fun time uh, at the Riverfront. Uh, we had a really good conversation with the whole team the other day, almost the whole team, about what's going on. Uh, you know, the Bengals. Uh, the, the season didn't didn't end as uh, maybe everyone had hoped, but man, I with the difficult schedule and the injury problems, I thought it was a pretty good season. That's just me. Um, and so there's gonna be a lot to talk about in the off season. Who's staying? Who's going? And so. Uh, Joe Farsing's uh, latest uh, Bengal show is a really good one. You need to go check that out. Riverfront U, lots of lots of college hoops talk, uh, and, and the Tim 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 Daniel loves talking about uh, the, the NBA as well. And uh, as a as a noted 76ers fan, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm it's not been a good month. Um, and then other than that, check out uh, check out Tim Daniel on uh, on late night red Sunday nights. Always fun. So. Good time at the riverfront. It's a really, really fun time. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun year, twenty twenty four. Absolutely, Bill. Any parting thoughts or words of wisdom? No, I, I just want to reiterate the, the the thing I said earlier, and I want to give Chad a chance to respond to it. Is with the Reds not going out and spending big money on one player, Chad? Do you do you think there there was a, a decision made in the front office that they were going to spread the risk, and that's why they brought in multiple players at lower numbers than than going all in on one guy? I think there was a, a, a limited pool of money available. And Nick Crawl right. said, here's what you've got. And I think Nick Crawl made the – and it's not an unreasonable decision. We can argue about it, but he made the decision, well, we're going to try to fill as many – give us a little bit of depth and fill as many holes, you know, in, in an okay fashion rather than making a big splash. I, I don't I don't think Nick Crawl had, had the uh, funds available. And Well, and, and I think that by doing it that way, they're also spreading the risk of where the money's being spent. Rather than if they spend it all on one guy and he tanks, then you know they're 105 million dollars in the tank. I think you're right, but I'm going to go back and listen to what you said before I got here. Okay. <laughs> Nate, this was fun, buddy. Yeah, this is good. Um, the last thing I will mention before we hop off here is um, we do have a bonus episode coming out early next week. We are going to be airing um, the Riverfront's very own Seth Shaner, an interview he did with Eddie Taubenzi. That was fantastic. So that'll be in your inbox or on your wherever podcast app on Tuesday morning, if I'm not mistaken. So be a lookout for that. It is just a fantastic job. I'm already mad at Seth for being so much better at this than I am. So go give that a listen, and Seth's going to be bringing us a lot of cool stuff in the future. So more to come there. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, for listening and supporting the Riverfront. Tell your friends, tell your mom, tell your kids, tell your pets. Create an account for your pets to go like and subscribe to all of our things. You can find us everywhere, and once again, huge, huge, huge shouts through our supporters at patreon.com slash riverfrontcincy. Shout out to Adam Dunn. Shouts to Lisa Alberto and Wayne Cranchicki and Eli Cash for Bill Lack and Chad Dotson and Pete Shurik. This is Nate Dotson saying so long. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.